Well, I don't know. Uh, could either of you tell the difference between Robin Williams as the genie and Dan Castellaneta as the genie? Yeah, I could. I think Dan Kessler is like a little higher in register. He's a bit like this, Al. Yeah. The credits roll. There's always more to tell. Especially when the video sales are doing really well. From shock treatment to Jason X to Police Academy 6. This is Sequel Cast. And they are unsurpassed at following a franchise until the better end. This is Sequel Cast. And your hosts are best that I inform you that the show will now begin. The theme song to the Sequel Cast is performed and written by Mark with the Sea. Check out his latest album, Motherfuckers Be Bullshitting, at markwiththesea.bandcamp.com. Now we return you to... The sequel cast. But who is with me through it all? Nobody! The Moscow Circus hired me to fly Prati. On Mount Olympus One, a race with Hercules. It's easy when you're chased by Gillespie! When I sneeze, I'm So now I'm home. Home again with you. You chase the clouds away Whenever I am blue You're always blue End of the pyramids I highly recommend There is nothing in the world Hello and welcome to the sequel cast The sequel cast is a show that talks about movies in a franchise One movie at a time And uh, we're in the middle of looking at the Aladdin trilogy With the second film Titled uh, Return of Jafar uh, also, you know, you might know it as like Aladdin Two or Aladdin Return of Jafar, and uh, it was a direct Aladdin Two Arabian Boogaloo. Yeah, that's a thrasher there. Out it. And uh, I'm Matt, and uh, this is an unusual episode simply because Thrasher and uh, Jersey Jason and uh, Thrasher's uh, significant other uh, Sarah are all in the same spot, but I am not. So, yeah, we are all we are all in Savannah, Georgia, specifically. Uh, assuming you can hear me over the plains, uh, specifically we are in the Foxy Loxy Cafe. It's uh, in, in their courtyard in the back. Now, does the uh, Foxy Loxy Cafe only serve bagels and lox? It serves a, actually it serves a lot of different things. Uh, okay. Sarah's enjoying a beef and chorizo taco. I'm enjoying some chips with queso dip, and uh, Jason is having an empanada. And some jalapeno cornbread. And what's fascinating is we talked about doing an episode where we can, be, where some of us can be in the same room for a long time. And now that we finally have three people in the same room, only one, of them, none, only one of them's actually talking to you. And it looks like it's going to be that way for a while. Okay. Uh, that's Jason fine. appears to have taken a vow of angry silence, and Sarah wants to finish her meal. Oh, I, I wouldn't uh, wouldn't blame them with the, this, this particular a film. A record something on Adreno or whatever. Audacity. I'll, I'll, I'll record a rant, send it to him, you can use it, whatever. Oh, did you hear that? I did, yep. Send them. Okay, cool. So, uh, I, I think I might be able to poke, poke some words out of him, but we'll just see what happens. Okay, great. I appreciate you taking the time in the middle of your, uh, I don't know if it is, is it dinner, I guess, over there, right, with the time zone difference? Um, it's or kind of a snack. Sort of a snack? I see. It's, well, it started as a snack and then turned into a taco. Uh, does the cafe or at serve alcohol? 
Um, no, just there's one. You get a wine with the cheese board. I see. That's uh, always a popular choice with the ladies, I've found. But, um... Return to Jafar, a sequel to Aladdin. This is direct to video. You know, it's from different directors, Tad Stones and Alan Saslove. And uh, it was written by Tad Stones, Mark McCorkey, Robert Shuley. Has uh, most of the voice cast returning, like Scott Weinger as Aladdin and Gilbert Gottfried as Iago, Jonathan Freeman as Jafar. Uh, but yeah, they couldn't get Robin Williams um, to do this direct to video sequel because he was very upset at how. Uh, Disney marketed the hell out of the genie character in Aladdin, um, which was against his contract deal with him at the time. So instead, he's replaced by uh, the voice of Homer Simpson himself and many others, Dan Castellaneta. Yep. And um, you also have a, another celebrity in the voice cast here with uh, Jason Alexander, who was known at the time as playing George Costanza on Seinfeld. Oh, he's great as Abismal, which Ab- is also Abismal, the yeah. most awesome name for a, a villain. You know, I just got that now, reading the name spelled. You, you but, uh, just now got that his name was Abysmal, or Abysmal. Abysmal, you yeah. Just, you just now, I figured that out. I, oh, wow. I did. Yep, seeing it spelled that's, out on uh, the good old Wikipedia. Uh, SequelCast has a website at SequelCast.com, and uh, we also have a blog at SequelCast.blogspot.com. And uh, we have a Facebook page. If you go on Facebook, look up SequelCast. will be on there. And uh, I don't think I mentioned this earlier, but our theme song now is done, uh, written and performed by Mark with a C. You can check out his stuff at markwithac.bandcamp.com. Thanks, well, also, Mark, again for doing the theme song. Yeah, it's an awesome theme song. I oh, agree. Also, you can listen to us on Stitcher. That's right. One of our sponsors is uh, Stitcher, and it's streaming internet radio, and you can uh, listen to Sequel Cast as well as a bunch of other uh, podcasts. If you go to Stitcher.com and download the app, or if you go to Stitcher.com slash SequelCast and sign up that way, SequelCast automatically gets added as a choi- as a favorite show on your app, and you have a chance to win $100 American dollars. Um, I believe that's only valid for residents of the U.S., uh, though, but I'm not certain about that. So uh, we do a research here on the SequelCast. So uh, Aladdin Return of Jafar. Um, I saw this on videotape, you know, right when it came out. I rented it. I was very excited at the time. Because this uh, came out, you know, two years after Disney's Aladdin. This was the first real uh, direct-to-video sequel uh, to their theatrical animated films that Disney had done. Uh, the, the closest thing to this beforehand was a theatrical sequel to The Rescuers called The Rescuers Down Under. Which I find superior to the original Rescuers. Uh, I haven't seen either of those films in years, and that might be fun to do on sequel cast at a later date. But oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh... But this one, you know, was direct-to-video, but was heavily, heavily marketed at the time and uh, sold a gazillion topies on videotape. And, um, you know, they well, later... Well, it sold a metric gazillion, which is actually smaller than the, the Imperial measurement gazillion. I hope uh, Jason and Sarah can enjoy their, their nachos and tacos as we talk about a uh, sequel to Aladdin. No, they, they are. Okay, good. Um... Are you enjoying your, your nachos and tacos? Oh, yeah. Great. Now, that jalapeno cornbread is what sounds the tastiest to me. But uh, uh, he, Jason ate it and then ran off, so <laughs> it must work fast. <laughs> it's uh, jalapeno-flavored laxative. That's a secret ingredient. No. All right. Return of Jafar. Uh, 
So, despite the fact that it's called Return of Jafar, you know, Jafar is not in this very much, is uh, one thing I noticed. And, um, I don't, I mean, we can talk about how this obviously was done on a much lower budget than the theatrical film Aladdin. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, I think the characters, the designs, are fairly consistent. I think the genie looks a bit different for some reason. Well, I think um, the, genie, the genie looks different, one, because they couldn't digitally touch him up to give him that glow or that transparency that he had in the original film. That's right. Also, yeah. also be, just because they're using... Th- this, is something, this is something like a little technical animation thing. But generally, when you see animation uh, in a movie theater or, or a theatrical animated film... It's been animated in, the term is in ones. Uh, every frame you see is a unique frame. It's, and it's one unique frame after a time. But uh, up until recently, uh, all animation on television as a cost-saving measure was animated in twos, where every frame, so that you didn't have to do as much original uh, drawing and animation, uh, so you could preserve pencil mileage, another technical term. Um, every frame is photographed twice, so you do half the frames. And now, now you're that, referring to a two-dimensional animation. Oh, yeah, two-dimensional. Right, hand-drawn, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, um, but, um, uh, although, I don't know, you look at, at some shows like, uh, like like Family Guy or something like that, and they could very well animate with twos, or, I don't you know, or South Park, you know, it's not the most well, uh, elaborate well, both, style. Well, both Family Guy and The Simpsons are done in digital ink and paint now. So they can actually get away. It's so much cheaper than, than cell animation. They can get away yes. with certain sequences. Well, right. In fact, with cell animation, which Return of Jafar had, each frame had to be hand-painted, mind you. Um, which is it takes a tremendous amount of time and also leads to uh, a lot of inconsistencies from frame to frame or scene to scene and what colors the characters look. And uh, I noticed watching the colors on this that the colors weren't as vivid or bright. And um, at some parts, Iago even looked a little bit pink almost instead of red, a dark red. Well, that's uh, that's a, uh, uh, usually a density shift, uh, which is caused by the layering of cells. Right, layering the different characters on the backgrounds and then they have some transparency in there. And, uh, right. Well, also, uh, about the animation, you can tell that a lot of the animation was farmed out to different studios because between scenes... And on a handful of occasions within scenes, the quality, style, and, and, and kineticism of the animation changes. And uh, before the, we were recording the show, Thrasher, you were mentioning to me that uh, one of your professors at Savannah College of Art and Design, which is, you know, the alma mater of um, you, Jason, and myself, all three of us, uh, knew someone that was involved with Disney's direct-to-video uh, animation division? Uh, yeah, back when I was... Uh Back when I was uh, studying in the sequential art department, one of my professors was Daniel Stern, who was uh, an animator and storyboard artist. He uh, he actually worked on uh, the MTV animated series Daria. Okay. And, uh, oh, and also uh, he he created uh, Fuzz and Pluck, which are uh, that's Kitchen Sink, isn't it, Jason? The same people who do the James Colchaka yeah. books. Yeah. Yeah. He also created the uh, graphic novel series Fuzz and Pluck about a uh, chicken and a teddy bear. Which, uh, which they're they're really fun. You should check those out. But um, anyway, uh, but he, but uh, I took uh, I took one of his uh, his introductory classes and one of his storyboarding classes, and he talked a lot about animation. And back when he used to live in California, he was friends with the guy who became the head of uh, 
Disney's uh, direct-to-market, which is just a fancy way of saying uh, direct-to-video, film division. And what what he told me, because by the time, time, I think this was my second year at Savannah College of Art and Design, there had been several uh, direct-to-video sequels of classic Disney movies that had been released. And and whenever it was brought up with anybody that had any connection to animation, whether as a professor or as a student, it brought a lot of grumbles. And what he told us is that whatever whatever negative thought we have about those direct-to-video to sequels, not to worry, because the people who are making them feel the exact same way. Uh, those hmm. writers, animators, storyboard artists didn't want to be making subpar sequels to classic Disney movies. They wanted to be working on either the next great Disney movie or or a sequel truly worthy of the original. So, I mean, sad, sad to say it, but in, in a lot of these sequels, and I've seen I've seen bits and pieces of a lot of them, uh, and in some cases full films, you, you can kind of tell that it's made by people who would rather be doing something greater. Yeah, but on the other hand, you know, it's, it's a paycheck, and, and for some of these, these were things that were animated in the United States, uh, which is fairly unusual, not for Disney necessarily, but yeah, you were talking about TV animation earlier, and things like Family Guy or The Simpsons are animated uh, overseas and, I don't know, well, Korea or whatever. Well, that's not... Yes and no, they're, they're, they're usually st- storyboarded and storyboarded and laid out in America and then right. that's overseas where they do the, all the in-between. Yeah, and, um, you know, like the... The fairly recent Star Wars Clone Wars 3D animated uh, show is all animated in Singapore, but it, it's you know written and directed and storyboarded in the U.S. in a similar fashion. Um, but yeah, I mean the but I, I think the characters in Return of Jafar look okay, but I think it, everything's a bit drab. The backgrounds aren't uh, uh, don't pop out as much and. Um, uh, the story in this film is very, very weak. You have a title like Return of Jafar. Okay, the bad guy's going to get his revenge, but you don't get much of that until like the last uh, 15 minutes. But um, let's go and talk about you know one of the new characters uh, we touched on earlier, Abiz Maul, uh, voiced by Jason Alexander. He's a he's a thief. He's incompetent. He. Uh, but um, you know, but Jason. He's ambitious. Al- he's ambitious, but you know, Jason Alexander didn't do a lot to change his uh, normal speaking voice for this well, part. I think, that, I think that's good. I mean, he's got a great yeah. voice for a, a scheming guy. Like I, I got to say, I, I, as a character, I love Abiz Maul. And when when uh, Aladdin became a syndicated television series, yes. they brought back Abiz Maul as a recurring villain, uh, still voiced by Jason Alexander, and and he was just always a treat. And, and what I like about Abismal is I bet like Abismal strikes me as who Aladdin would have become if Aladdin ever stayed in the streets and lost his moral center. You know that's a good point, and uh, an interesting uh, thing is you know the, the basic plot of Return of Jafar is told in a section of the uh, PlayStation Two video game Kingdom Hearts Two. Except in that video game take on it, instead of Abiz Mall, they use the, uh, the 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 shopkeep from the beginning of Aladdin as the guy that teams up with Jafar. But, Which one is canon? Well, I think the cartoon would be more than the video game, but yeah, it's a such an interesting take on it. Uh, 
uh, much of this uh, cartoon really focuses on... Oh, I guess before we should go on, uh, I forgot to ask you, Thrasher, did you see this when it came out on videotape originally? or No, I think when, when it came out, I, I was... I liked a lot. I liked Aladdin so much. This is again. This is me being a young film snob. I thought Aladdin was a good enough film that it didn't need a sequel. Right. And so I just kind of, I just kind of let this pass me by. Uh, and I also took Robin Williams not being in it as a as a very bad sign. Sure. And uh, I think Disney must have felt that that pressure as well as you know putting at the time a bunch of marketing and stuff behind their first real uh, direct to video animated sequel. And not being able to get Robin Williams to come back uh, is something you know that they could have. If you would have come back, they would have pushed that really hard in the marketing. Which, the which they did. Which they did in the third film. I remember they were making a big deal. Oh yeah, and featuring Robin returning Robin Williams as the genie. Although yeah. it's, it is that's what is kind of I think interesting about the sequel is that is that you would think doing a direct video sequel to a movie they wouldn't be able to get Robin Williams because they wouldn't have a big enough budget. But instead, it's just because Robin Williams was upset with the way they they treated his wishes uh, in the first film, right? And I yeah. mean, like metaphorical wishes, like contractual wishes, <laughs> not like actual magic granting wishes. Sure, Although, and you know, he had a, a story about that. He said, I think on Inside the Actor Studio or something like that, that I saw him on uh, Robin Williams, and he said that you know Disney wanted to apologize because they were doing the uh, the third one direct to video. And they wanted him to come back for that one as a big deal, and so they they gave him an original uh, Picasso that they spent you know tens of thousands of dollars on to Robin Williams, and Robin Williams has an art collection, and he took it and he said, "Well, thank you very much for the painting," and they said, "So are you going to do the genie in Aladdin uh, three, uh, King of Thieves?" And he said, "No, uh, what I want is an apology." <laughs> That's and, great. Yeah, and they said, "Okay, we're sorry, we we treated you wrong. Will you do Aladdin three? And he says, "Yes." So. Did he keep the painting? Yeah, and he kept the painting. <laughs> That's the kind of bribe I could wrap my legs around. <laughs> so, um, so a, a big thing about this film is uh, Iago. But before that, you know, we just were talking about the genie. We should touch on Dan Castellaneta uh, voicing the genie this time, and he also did the voice for the Aladdin um TV series, which uh, came out between the releases of Return of Jafar and the third one, Aladdin and the King of Thieves. And um, he does as great of a job as he can, and he certainly has a lot of gusto between all his lines. And well, I think I think he does he does a really good uh, a really good Robin Williams impersonation. But um, I don't know if he's trying to do exactly a Robin Williams impersonation. I mean, the thing I notice in in this one is that he does more. Uh, Ethnic imitations, I guess I'd say, than celebrity uh, impersonations. Well, he is a good improviser, but I'm guessing that was in the script. Yeah, probably so. Um, but you're right. I mean, he certainly keeps things boisterous. It's not a lazy-sounding performance uh, by any means. But at the same time, you know it's not Robin Williams, and that takes... Uh, well, we, we can tell it's not Robin Williams... I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people who, who, who probably thought it was the same guy. That, that's fair. Well, I don't know. Uh, could either of you tell the difference between Robin Williams as the genie and Dan Castellaneta as the genie? Yes. Yeah, I could. I think Dan Castellaneta is like a little higher in register. He's a bit like this, Al. Yeah. He's a little right. higher. I, I am sitting with two very smart people at this table. I picked the right table. 
Very good. I'm glad people got to the And one especially sexy person. Thank you very Is much. Is it me <laughs> or the woman next to me? Or Jason. Jason. Jason, of course. <laughs> Nothing sexier than a man something. with a jalapeno cornbread in his belly. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but no, Iago is a central character in this film, I think perhaps more so than Aladdin, where Iago was sort of the, the toady, the sidekick to Jafar in the first film. In this one, he kind of, he wants to scheme and kind of, you know, be bad in the beginning, but Aladdin saves his life, so Iago feels like he owes Aladdin a debt, and then he's never had anyone care about him before, and so he has kind of a change of heart in the movie. Yeah, this is the transition to the bumbling, heroic Iago we saw in the animated series. Yeah, even though the character's still kind of pissy, I think, um, which is a a big thing for the character, and kind of annoyed and thinks everything he has to do is a pain in the ass. Um, But, you know, like out of the... uh, Songs in this movie, two of them have Iago, uh, Gilbert Godfrey, doing lead vocals. I can sing! Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and I don't think it's something that quite works, but on the other hand, I'm glad they kept Gilbert Godfrey doing the singing. Because uh, otherwise, you know, it, it would sound something like, Now you know, Aladdin, I'm a pretty selfish person. Uh, I'm looking out for me. Da, 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 da. I'm looking out for me. It would be such a weird transition if someone else did a singing voice. Well, what they probably would have done is gotten uh, gotten uh, Jim Cummings. Jim Cummings yeah. do it. I mean, Jim Con- Jim Cummings uh, subbed for. Uh, he- he's the singing voice of Scar in The Lion King. If you listen, you can hear the transition between uh, between Jeremy Irons and uh, Jim Cummings, and I bet they would have just done the same for Iago. And Jim Cummings was also the singing voice for uh, Rasputin. In oh Anastasia, Anastasia right? Oh, you're right. The character is voiced by Christopher Lloyd, but yeah, the singing voice. And I also have Simpsons connection because Bartok the Bat was played by um oh crap, not Paul Shear, not Harry Shear, but the other guy, Hank Azaria. Hank Azaria. Okay. TV's Huff. Yeah. Um. And he was also on Herman's Head. Indeed. So with uh, this return to Jafar, I mean... Return to the return of Jafar. Yeah, I mean, the big thing is, like, this Abyss Maul, he is all all clumsy and gets outwitted by Aladdin uh, when he's looking for some treasure in a cave or something like that. Well, admittedly, Aladdin has help in the form of a flying carpet. Yes, and, and a monkey and all these things. And uh, Iago digs himself out of the sand with the the genie lamp that Jafar was, was trapped in in his genie form, and Abismal runs across them, and he rubs the lamp, and you know, so now he gets three wishes with the with the Jafar genie, and uh, Jafar to keep himself from looking scary and to save on animation cost, decide to make himself look like the Jafar human form. For, well, uh, admittedly, the, the genie, you know, it's, it's established that the genies have shape-shifting powers. Yes, And, and Robin Williams, is. you know, uses his, you know, he, he keeps his own form and is popping between others. I can totally see Jafar being the egomaniac he is. As long as he can shape-shift, he'll just shape-shift to his preferred body. Right, and he does it and says, oh, perhaps this is less uh, threatening. And in an interesting sort of twist, whenever Abismal has a uh, a wish, 
Jafar makes it so it's it's a very literal translation of the wish. Like one is he's like, oh, I want to see the, uh, I want the long lost treasures of the sunken ship, uh, of something or other, and he uh, teleports. He uses the wish to teleport Abysmal to underneath the ocean, in where the treasure yeah, ship that's, is. That's and he's, classic GM screwing over players who use the greater wish spell tactics right there. Yeah, and uh, so I mean that's kind of amusing. It's nice. It's the same voice for Jafar. And all those things. Although it's a different voice for the Sultan instead of the Douglas Seal, it's a Val Betton. But not that you can really tell. And uh, the Sultan is not a big character anyway. So, uh, the beginning of this film uh, I thought was really slow. You have, uh, what do you think of some of the songs, Thrasher? You well, have, it starts I, off with the reprise of Arabian Nights from the first film. I thought that was, I thought that was uh, pretty good. I, 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 although. The lyrics are that a bit different. That song felt like it was one draft away from perfection. Yeah, and they and they take that version of the song and make it the theme song of the animated series. Um, so you have "I'm Looking Out for Me" by Iago, which it's very about him being selfish. I, you know, they didn't have the same songwriting team on this one. They have several different people writing the different songs, um, so that makes the styles clash a bit. Nothing Like a Friend is the only number that the genie has in this one. And uh, I find it's a chock full of racial stereotypes, although racial stereotypes or ethnic stereotypes are a big um, staple in cartoons. You know? Well, it's, well to, to, to somewhat sugarcoat it, it's because you, know, you want to indicate certain things with as few lines as possible, typically. And so that can often lead to a lot of exaggerated uh, racial characteristics. Uh, to not sugarcoat it, they just needed to find an excuse for Robin Williams to do as many different voices as possible and couldn't think of enough celebrities, so he just started doing crazy accents. Right, and uh, the, the problem with it, though, is in songs like You Never Had a Friend Like Me from the uh, original uh, Disney's Aladdin cartoon, is you have so many things, the animation keeps up with every lyric and each bit is more flashy than the last, and... Instead of, you know, if you call that a sprint, this is like a, a a lazy shuffling walk when they try and keep up with the pace with the the genie numbers in this one. Because Jafar, the, as the genie, has a, a song at the end of the film. Where they have some good ideas for visuals, but they're not there's not as much crazy stuff going on on the screen. And I guess part of that's to be expected, because it's a direct-to-video sequel, but it uh, comes off as second-rate. Yeah. Um, did you like the conflict between Aladdin and Jasmine, where Aladdin saves Iago's life, and he has to hide Iago for a big part of the film? Well, keep it from Jasmine and the uh, Sultan. Well, I mean, that's that's pretty Three's Company bosom buddies convoluted sitcom logic, right? And that's what the half over half of this cartoon is dealing with that crap. It's like, yeah. yeah. It's a very uh, predictable scenario that they're in. Uh, they kind of tie it back to the first film because Jasmine's like, oh, you lied to me about being Prince Ali, now you're lying to me about having the evil parrot with you and all this stuff. So. Evil, just crooked. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess Iago isn't completely evil, but he's scheming and all these things. As I recall, in the original film, the only outright evil thing he ever does is steal the lamp. Of course, trick Aladdin so he can steal the lamp. 
Oh, the monkey also steals the lamp from Jafar in the beginning of the first film. Jafar is the old man, but yeah. Um, so let's take a break talking about the plot, and uh, let's touch on the Disney vault. Oh, which, the mysterious which, Disney vault. Right, which is a a phrase used, uh, I don't know if it's the official phrase, or I think they've used it in commercials, haven't they referred to it as the they Disney have. vault? Yeah, okay. They always and, threaten to send things back to the Disney vault after they've been released on DVD. Right, and um, and they stick to their word in it for the most part. And what it means is Disney's not the only company that does this, but they're a company that perfected this early on in the VHS videotape era. And that they release something and only have it on the market for like three or four months and then take it off the market to create a false sense of uh, uh, scarcity. Yeah, they, they keep a really tight stranglehold. And in the last few weeks when it's out, they bombard the TV and internet with advertisements saying, only two weeks left when you can uh, have a copy of Snow White and the Seven Dorbs for your very own home, and all these things. And, um, you know, because of that, you know, it, it's difficult when you're doing a show like the sequel cast, or even if uh, any movie fan wants to watch one of these uh, Disney sequels or Disney cartoons, they can be very difficult to find and can go for a lot of money. Uh, yeah, let me pull I, up Amazon.com for the hell of it. So on Amazon.com, you can buy, like, used stuff through uh, z- sellers, and you buy it through Amazon or whatever. And uh, in 2008, they came out with a, a two-pack of Aladdin of the Aladdin sequels, Return to Jafar and Aladdin the King of Thieves. And the amount that DVD uh, two-pack goes for used on Amazon starts at $70, which is crazy, and it can do it because of the Disney vault and scarcity and all that. Well, well this, this is the kind of bullcrap that makes piracy defensible. There's art we want to experience, but they are making it difficult and prohibitively expensive for us to experience it. Um, and and this, this, is, this, is what, uh, this is what a lot of the, the big media companies don't understand. As far as information goes, we are already in the post-scarcity economy. And once fabricators become available materially, we will be in the post-scarcity economy. But you, it's, it's, it's really, it, it comes off as a real dick move. I would love to have Snow White on DVD. That is a, a landmark in the history of animation, and it's a brilliant film. But damned if I'm going to pay that much or wait that long. To, to get a copy of Snow White, one of my favorite films. Right, and you know, it looks like you can get Snow White on DVD used for 21 bucks, which is, it's my alarm clock, uh, which is still a really? lot. But, um... Well, I'd be willing to pay that, provided it's in good shape. Well, right, and that's the thing you never know with uh, buying used uh, stuff sometimes. But... Right. I mean, it, it, it's frustrating for the consumer. Wouldn't you think you'd want the product available as much as possible so they can have as many chances to buy it as possible? Or print-on-demand. Uh, yeah, no, and, and some uh, DVD companies like Warner Brothers do have print-on-demand services for uh, really obscure catalog uh, DVD titles. But, um, you know, I think if you're going to put things in the vault, at least make it available as like a digital rental or something. Yeah, I Which they have for the original Aladdin cartoon you can rent on uh, uh, Amazon uh, Instant Video um, as a one-time thing for like three bucks or whatever. But you're right. I mean, it's a frustrating situation. Um, I don't condone piracy, but certainly things like uh, making films unavailable for a long amount of time just because uh, you can uh, doesn't help the matter any. It doesn't I, I help don't condone, discourage it. 
I, I don't uh, I don't encourage piracy either, but uh, art is anything you can get away with, and uh, and in you have a as a thinking, reasoning creature, you have a moral imperative to experience as much art as possible. Hmm. Um, did Jason want to speak up about this, or, or Sarah, or do either of you have any comments about the Disney Vault? I think it's unfair, especially because I love Song of the South. That yeah, Song yeah. of the South has never been available on DVD, or you have to get it bootleg from a comic book convention. Uh, yeah, you have to, or on you eBay. Have to get- you have to get it bootleg, ripped from a uh, European Laserdisc. It is available in Europe, uh, I believe, in Australia in, mm. in modern formats. Yeah, I, I've, I've actually I've actually got one of those. I mean, yeah, uh, there's plenty of stuff in that film that's embarrassing. There's plenty of stuff in that film that's just outright racist. But it's an important film in the history of animation, and and modern eyes need to be able to see it. Well, I think I think along those lines, there's a uh, Ralph uh, Bakshi movie. Called um, uh, Coonskin. Coonskin, right? Which I don't yeah, think has ever been was, available, really. Uh, well, uh, it was available on VHS, uh, but they retitled it Street Fight. Uh, you can get bootlegs of the original cut of Coonskin at some conventions, though. Right, but uh, let's move away from all that. Uh, back to Return of Jafar, and I mean the plot on this is really slight. You don't see Jafar very much. And it's about, there's comic hijinks between Abysmal and him. I think it's a neat scene near the end of the film where Jafar kind of summons these, uh, they look a bit like Nazgul from Lord of the Rings, really. These sort of winged, uh, winged horses with people on the back of them to go and chase Aladdin, and they try to throw him off a, into a waterfall and kill him and all these things. And uh, that's like about the only action this film really has. Uh, I, I was really confused by a scene... Uh, there's a, I think it's the best song in the film for what it's worth, called Your Only Second Rate, performed by Jafar, who had no songs, uh, in the original cartoon, although he had deleted songs that weren't used. And, yeah, that was um, pretty cool, him dueling the genie like that. Right, but then that he traps the genie in, like, a little globe, I found very hard to believe, in that, well, it's a genie, isn't the genie character almost like a god? How? Well, well as I recall, well, I, I see two possible explanations. Yeah. Uh, one, uh, and I believe this is reference to the animated series because the genius free, his powers are now restricted, and either okay. his overall magic is weaker, or there's certain things he there's additional things he can't do with it now that he's unbound by by the lamp. Uh, the other option, the other way to justify it, is that the genie is just a genie, but Jafar is a dual class genie sorcerer. Oh, and, and remember, yeah. he made a wish to be the world's greatest sorcerer. That wish was never necessarily undone when he became a genie, so he might just have enough of a magical edge on the genie that he get in prison. So he's a plus D6, is what you're saying. <laughs> that, that's not how D20 slash Pathfinder works, if you know it. <laughs> so... Just a greater, um, a greater caster level with uh, bonuses from the wizard blood, from, from the sorcerer bloodline. I mean, I, you know, I, the genie gets trapped in a globe. That bothers me. What bothers me more is the genie is ultimately freed when Iago comes. Iago basically, you know, tricks, uh, separates the characters so the genie can get captured by Jafar, so Jafar can do bad stuff to Aladdin and Jasmine and all them. But uh, Iago, you know, really has good intentions, and he frees the genie by picking up the globe flying to the top of this big room and dropping it, and the globe shatters. You know, gravity is a harsh mistress. 
it is uh, perhaps not harsh enough, but uh, I think like that Trump's magic apparently. <laughs> yeah, you know, I would have th- I would have liked it to be a little bit more involved. Maybe he got some special crystal or something to break open the magic ball. I don't stole, know. Stole the staff and used an energy blast from the COVID yes, staff. Yes, that, that, he could have stole Jafar's staff. That would have been fine. That would have been great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And Actually, you know, that's what I would do in a final showdown. Yeah. Have Iago uh, flap in Jafar's face, causing him to miss and accidentally hit the, hit the globe, thus freeing the genie. Now, that would have been a nice uh, way to resolve that conflict. Yeah, no, it would have had a funny dialogue between the characters and uh, more creative oh. than what they used. Could I, could I actually can I comment on the second rate song? Yes, go ahead. Yeah, I, I I really like that song. I really like the animation. Um, I did have a handful of limitations, but you could tell that the animators really wanted it to look good given the resources they had. But uh, the song itself, like like I said, that like the uh, the Arabian Nights felt one draft away from from perfection. This song felt one take away from perfection. It just, it's such a bouncy, energetic number. I felt it should have been a little bit faster uh, with a little bit more bounce, and I think it would have sounded uh, flawless. Yeah, and I think if, the, you know, if they would have had a little bit more, put more money into that animation for that number, um, it could have had a bit more pep to it, too, visually. But uh, it's a fun little melody. I think it sounds the most like something from the original, um, out of the music in the film. Uh, but I mean, so much of this film just feels like a lame copy of the first one. Jafar's the bad guy again. Aladdin's got to get uh, Jasmine to trust him again. Yeah, if you're gonna like, since there's gonna be a third film, I would just you know save that for the third part of the trilogy. That's when you bring back the classic villain. Yeah, and you know I haven't seen um, they did like an Aladdin animated show, and I guess Jafar came back in a crossover episode. Uh, Aladdin, er, the Hercules cartoon did with the Aladdin cartoon. Ah, uh, yes, that is correct. Where like uh, Jaf- that. Uh, everybody is uh, complimenting Sarah on her Cthulhu hat. Oh, oh, no problem. Yeah, not a problem. Uh, as you were saying, Matt? Um, I got lost at Cthulhu hat. Oh, she's got a really kick-ass Cthulhu hat. We, we can we can post about it on the blog if you want. Especially when we do the next time we do an H.P. Lovecraft uh, film series. Okay. Uh, I, I like the uh, imagery, and this was sort of copied from the first film, of what the Jafar looks like as a genie. It looks very much like a devil, a little bit like Tim Curry as uh, the darkness in uh, Legend. Yeah, he, 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 that really is an awesome look that they came up with. And you see it a bit in that uh, you're only second-rate uh, number that's in there, which is uh, a little treat. But, um, I mean, yeah, like, like, like we said, this is a, a challenging film to talk about simply because not very much happens. It's a very Z-grade-level plot, and you have fun characters, and you have the voice, most of the voices except for Robin Williams as, a, as a, the genie. But... It, even for a direct-to-video sequel, it feels especially lazy. Uh, it, it gets a little bit gruesome when they get rid of Jafar, where the lamp falls into the lava, and the lamp is kind of disintegrating, and the Jafar kind of disintegrates at the same time. I guess that's how genies work. Yeah, like... You it, couldn't wish him imprisoned or wish him away? I guess, because that's what I would rather have happen. I'd rather have somebody get, get the... Uh... I don't know. I guess I'd, I'd rather I'd rather Iago get the lamp 
uh, and 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 wish Jafar imprisoned or something, or wish no more magic. Yeah, or wish or wish that he was powerless, something like that. Or he could wish there was no more sequels to Aladdin. Um, yep, yep. He could do that. But you know, in in this film, you know, it's weird. Aladdin and Jasmine don't get married, and that sort of comes up near the end. But Aladdin says, "You know, I'd rather see the world. I don't want to become the vizier quite yet." Uh, Sultan. Sultan. Oh, Wikipedia says vizier. Whoops, you're really? right. Sultan. It could yeah, be, it could be wrong. Misprint. I think uh, that's why you shouldn't use Wikipedia as a source. That's what Wikipedia says. <laughs> But, um, yeah, it's interesting to see, you know, he decides he wants to see the world, and there's a funny line of dialogue to, like, with Iago, where he says, he whispers to Aladdin, hey, personally, kid, I'm with you, but you're going to turn down all this money, all this stuff? Hmm. And uh, Jasmine joins him, and they walk off uh, into the credits, and if you stay through the credits, there's an extra scene at the end where you see Abismal is sort of handing off some, wherever he was left last, he's kind of handing and says, guys, I want to, I have one more wish, one more wish, guys, not knowing that Jafar the genie is dead. <laughs> so. That's a nice little stinger. Yeah, I mean, they gotta sit through like seven minutes of credits in here. Um, you noticed, you are talking uh, before the show, Thrasher, you mentioned you thought some scenes in this, uh, the shifts in animation are pretty uh, perceptible. Yeah, yeah, I, I, could see, I could see the hands of different uh, anim- animation workshops or their studios uh, on, on different scenes. You, you, you could tell that a lot of the animation was farmed out. Right. And... Uh, yeah, you know, I've never seen the animated uh, TV show that ca- takes place after this and before um, the third one, Akina Thieves. It's, it's, it's quite good. I mean, frankly, frankly, it, it, we could do a whole episode just about that. The show was very, very good. We can talk that a bit on the next episode. I'll have to watch a few of those on YouTube. I mean, that's never that's, been officially that, released on DVD, the animated series I, of Aladdin. I, I think there might be like a, like a best of DVD or something. Maybe Although we probably ought to wrap it up. We actually we, we've got an engagement we've got to get to in a little bit. Very good. So uh, before we say whether you recommend Return of Jafar, let's do our pitch a sequel game. Uh, I will start. I think uh, so. At the end of this, you know, I'm sort of thinking they should take Aladdin uh, where they took. In this uh, game, if you don't know, listeners, is uh, we pretend any sequels that existed after the movie we're talking about. In this case, Aladdin Two: Return of Jafar does not exist. So we were making up our own sequel, pretending like uh, none of these sequels afterwards existed. So I'm thinking, the big character in Aladdin isn't Aladdin. People don't care about Aladdin, they care about the genie. So it would be a spinoff starring the genie. And uh, the genie somehow gets back in his lamp and gets transported to a, a completely different country, a completely different culture, let's say, I don't know, the the Aborigines, Ab- Aboriginals in uh, Australia. I'm probably mispronouncing that on either case. And uh, these uh, native people of Australia run across a genie in a lamp, and it's sort of like the gods must be crazy meets uh, 
the crazy Robin Williams genie. And uh, what happens when uh, it's a genie with only three wishes in a, in a culture that doesn't have all the niceties of a uh, more modern city like Agrabah. What are they going to do with those wishes? So that's my uh, half-assed idea for uh, the pitch of sequel. So, so, some, so somehow in that sequel, the genie becomes rebound to a lamp. Yes. I don't know how. That's how okay. it starts. He gets rebound, ends that's, up in the ocean, and ends up on the coast of Australia. Hey, that's second act trouble. We can fix that in rewrites. Okay, okay mine's going to be the trouble with genies. <laughs> okay. Uh, Abysmal has one wish, and because of the cosmic laws of the genies, Jafar the genie is bound to grant that wish. So just by the fact that he has that wish, uh, Jafar gets reconstituted. And as Abysmal, um, being a short-sighted idiot, wishes to make himself a genie. So now Abysmal and Jafar are genies. And, and the short of it is they both keep passing into the hands of increasingly more bumbling and idiotic villains who keep eventually wishing themselves to be genies until eventually Agrabah is overrun by genies. And then the genies discover that if they rub each other's lamps and don't, dirty. don't say a b- bloody word, <laughs> Uh, that that they grant each other's wishes. So the the short of it is that they create this daisy chain of rubbed lamps and become a genie <laughs> army that, that surrounds and lays siege to Ag- Agrabah, unleashing all these destructive wishes. And uh, somehow Aladdin, Jasmine, Jafar... I'm sorry, Aladdin, Jasmine, Abu, um, Iago, and the genie somehow stop them. Possibly by tricking them into like making like a paradoxical wish, like, I wish you wouldn't grant this wish or something. So there'd be, there presumably would be an epic fight scene in there. Of the genies, yeah, crazy storming the city, war. yeah, that'd, that'd with lots of Star cool. Wars references. Oh, of course. And uh, one of the genies has to say, "Stay on target." I think as they go in there. Yep. All right, stay on. And target. Abby's mall was Porkins. Of course, yeah. Porkins should have got his uh, Star Wars prequel. That would have been cool. Porkins begins. Um, okay. So <laughs> overall. I would not recommend Return of Jafar. Uh, it gets better in the second half than the first, has a bit more action, and the music's a bit better, but um, it doesn't hold a candle or hold a lamp to uh, oh. the original. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the blurb that somehow makes it to the DVD jacket. Yeah. Okay, Thrasher. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to give it two stars only because of the second-rate song. That's a great song. We're not rating uh, the film yet, but okay. Oh well, I, I am anyway. That's yeah. how that's right. how I feel. <laughs> I'm a rebel, and uh, it's it's not that good. Sure. Just skip it and watch the TV show. Um, you know, tune in uh, to the the sequel cast next week, where we talk about the uh, third uh, and final film of the animated Aladdin trilogy, Aladdin and the King of Thieves. And remember, you can go to SequelCast.com or look up uh, SequelCast on iTunes. Be sure to leave us a review on there. We have a whopping three reviews on iTunes right now. And uh, if you go on iTunes or on SequelCast.com, you can download our whole library of past episodes where we talk about franchises like Home Alone or Chinatown. Smokey and the Bandit. Smokey and the Bandit. Uh, Karate Kid. Why, why is the second one you mention our two worst episodes? <laughs> Trying to get the downloads up. Uh, ah. Indiana Jones. And uh, Jurassic Park was a pretty recent one, and Die Hard. All Planet sorts of, the of fun, marathon. yeah, all sorts of fun stuff over at SequelCast.com. So um, thanks for doing the show. I know you're in the on vacation, uh, Thrasher, but uh, well, it's not exactly, but yeah, kind of work here. And uh, do you want to, as a last thing, do you want to pimp the uh, convention you're going to be at coming up? 
Con here in Savannah, Georgia, which will have passed by the time this comes out. But I will also be at Megacon in Florida, which chances are won't yet have started by the time this episode is posted. So, you know, definitely uh, check check me out. I'll be with the Terror World Interplanetary event. Uh, I actually do not know. Even though I'm working with them, I'm not sure what the final title of the event's going to be. But, uh, you know, look, look for me there. I'll be the guy. I'll be with all the people wearing, like, high-tech future military gear doing the military simulation. Definitely I'll be check. there. Oh, yeah, and Jason will be there, too. Definitely check it out. Uh, it's an awesome simulation. We give you airsoft weapons, and you do a, and you do missions. You do missions in a sci-fi environment. We've created one of the ballrooms. You can try to slam me with your hardest stuff, but the double whammy isn't up to snuff. I'll set the record straight. Just see me out on date. You're only second rate. You think your cat's a meanie, but your tiger's tame. You've got a lot to learn about the genie game. So for your education, I reiterate, you're only second rate. Men cower at the power in my pinky. My thumb is number one.